What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting here in your nation's capital, here at the Podville Media Studios in downtown Washington, D.C. We are back again for another great episode of Pace the Nation. I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, my very pregnant co-host, it's Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? How are you? Wow, that's my title. The pregnant (laughs) co-host. Wife. My co-host, Julie Cully. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. How's we'll keep going? that consistent. Good? Great. I'm very pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> You're like 30-some. How long does full term Oh, Lord. Go? You know, we've done this a few times yeah, before. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Full term is 39 to 40 weeks, and okay. I'm coming up on 38, so... 38 weeks. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're not going into labor, hopefully in the studios. Well... We'll cross our fingers that it doesn't happen because we got a really <laughs> exciting show to get to. And that would kind of mess up our guest schedules. Yeah, I really don't want to mess up anyone's schedules. Yeah, we definitely particularly don't. yours. Yeah, definitely don't. We've got a couple of guests today. But before we get to them, Julie, just real quick, I wanted to ask you what you wanted to talk about here in the what we call the show intro. It's been a couple of few weeks since we've last broadcast, and a lot's been happening with my life with your life. We've headed to the Olympic trials. I went to a wedding, just a number of things that happened, you know, just life stuff that happens over the few weeks. So your choice, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about your clowndom, which (laughs) was the two main pieces, which were losing your wallet the day you were leaving for 10 days to Eugene, Oregon, and blowing your knee out, doing double Dutch. Yes. Well, okay. Let's start with the wallet. I did lose my wallet the day before. I took the boys and our au pair to Eugene on an airplane. And everybody knows you got to have an ID to get on a flight. And I did not have my license because it was in my wallet, which was lost. And of course, my passport was expired, of course, because why wouldn't it be expired? So I had to race to the DMV the day we were flying out. I had the au pair kind of get the kids ready, the last minute things, because you were already in Eugene. And I had my mom send me in an Uber from her house, I had them Uber over my social security card and my birth certificate. She's like, that's really safe. Do you really want to put your social security card and your birth certificate in an Uber to go to DMV? I said, yes, this is my only option. So I go there and then they confirm that I am who I am. And then I say, all right, so you're going to be able to give me a license. And they say, yes, thumbs up. You'll be able to get a license. But it was a a paper license. A paper license. <laughs> no, it wasn't even a paper license. It was a piece of paper that said you were James Christopher Farley. Yes. I said, will this work for me to get on the plane? And they said, yes, it should work. I said, great. <laughs> like, should nothing work. better than the should. It's yeah. supposed to work in theory. Work. Like, yeah. good luck. Yeah. So fortunately, with my expired passport, They confirmed I was who I was with my paper license, and I was able to get on the plane. Thank you for that that sound bite there. (laughs) We really needed that. Need the sound effects. (laughs) I'm really passionate about this paper license that I had. So I was able to get on the flight and was able to take the kids to Eugene. We had a great trip in Eugene. I was so worried about having that phone call to you saying, you know what? We're not going to be able to make the flight. That yeah, wouldn't, you, that wouldn't have been a good phone call. Yeah, no. All right. And then quickly, before we get to our guests, our buddy, Bob Kennedy, he was on the, this podcast many episodes ago, got married, great wedding in Buena Vista, Colorado. And who did he get married to? Uh, Christy Beth Adams. So they are both in the running industry. Awesome wedding. A lot of running folks there. Really great time. 
So went with some buddies, ran straight up this mountain, 8,000 feet probably. We go straight up, run, hike, walk up this mountain, and then we run down. So, you know, it's really hard on your knees and your shins and your quads to run down these mountains, which we did, and I wasn't really ready for it. Well, also in typical Chris Farley fashion, you booked the flight like two days before. Right. You flew all day. Normally, Denver, there's a million flights coming out of Washington, D.C. to Denver. You somehow end up on a layover to Chicago. And then you get out there and there's a two hour wait to get a rental car. So you Uber two and a half hours Hours to get there. You know, you're not really set up for success here. I think at that point, too, you're probably still using your paper license to get out there. Yeah, right. right. So we run down the mountain, stresses my joints. That night was the wedding. So, you know, we wanted to get people going and get them excited and hyped up. So Kathy and I brought out the double dutch. So the double dutch is a fake jump rope and the crowd was into it and everybody's jumping up and down. And I do a few jumps and like really deep, deep knee bends. And I hear my knee pop and I said, oh, that's not good. I kind of exit the stage and limp off the dance floor and I realize, wow, my knee hurts and I couldn't run for a week. So, yeah, I think the best part about that story is that you came home looking for sympathy from me, <laughs> which did not happen. You're like, I can't run right now. And I have zero sympathy because I haven't been able to run in six months. Right, right. <laughs> All yeah. right. So those are my two, two life updates. <laughs> two clowndom updates. Next next episode, we'll get to Julie's life updates. Uh, but uh, next, they're not important. <laughs> we've got we've got a really exciting show to get to today, uh, Julie. Next up, we're going to be joined by a couple of podcasters. Kyle Merber and Chris Chavez brought us the Trials Talk podcast over the week and a half of the Olympic trials in Eugene. It was brought to us by Sidious Mag and Tracksmith. They're going to join us to talk about that, what their next projects are, and what they're up to now. Chris Chavez, Kyle Merber, join us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined by some friends. I don't want to say the friends of the program, the friends of yours who are in New York City, excited to have both Chris Chavez and Kyle Merber on the phone with us. Chris, Kyle, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm going to start with you, Chris. You're of Sidious Mag. You guys teamed up together. We're going to talk about your podcast, your Trials Talk podcast, the future stuff that you're going to do together. Start with you, Chris, Sidious Mag. I had to Google it. It's Latin. I did know that Centro has a tattoo. (laughs) So who was first, you or Centro? It was definitely Centroitz. And I think the way I looked at it was when I was coming up with the name for the site, I saw that that'd be free advertising in the grand scheme of things. And there was that whole big deal with Nick Simmons and his tattoo space that he auctioned off. And we didn't have to pay a dime because Centro already had the tattoo. And yeah, so Sidious came up in 2017 and it started off kind of just like as a blog and a site to geek out on the sport. My background with covering track and field starts in 2012 with Flow Track, and I was with them for about two years, you know, went out to Europe, covered the Europe circuit out there and really built a bunch of, you know, connections, whether it was through athletes, coaches and agents within the sport. And then eventually, you know, had a couple stops at 
ESPN and then Sports Illustrated, where I've been for six years now. And in 2016, one of my dreams was to go to the Olympics and cover it, accomplish that. But then after that, I kind of was at a point where I was like, well, I really care about the sport of track and field. But so like year round, there isn't that much attention on a sport like track and field through the mainstream audience. So I wanted to continue devoting my time to covering those smaller track meets. And so I was just like, all right, I'll ask for forgiveness later on when this pops up on my editor's radar. But started Sidious Mag with a couple friends of mine to really create a place that offered commentary, humor, a little bit of a different flair to covering the sport as opposed to people go to Let's Run for the headlines and the links, and then people go to Flow Track or Runner Space for the race videos and that kind of stuff. But I really didn't see a place like The Ringer where they offer so many different podcasts and blogs. And I was like, maybe I could carve out a space here. And so that's how it got started. And then really in the last like two and a half years, leaned into the podcast space. And that's where I have, I think, the most fun. We really appreciate all the great content you offer, the podcasts. You teamed up with your partner here who we're going to bring in, Kyle Merber, on the Trials Talk podcast, which was an amazing 10 days of shows, and Eugene. And so Kyle Merber, he is a- Yeah, I can't wait. Try to introduce me. Let's see what you got. He is a track personality. That's a good, there you go. Former teammate of Julie, my wife co-host at the New Jersey, New York Track Club, a star professional runner who just retired. I know you've got some projects that you're doing, lap count, victory lap. Julie, help me out. How do we intro Kyle Merber? I don't know. Kyle doesn't know how to intro Kyle Merber. Okay. I've known Kyle. I will never forget meeting Kyle for the first time, 81st Street in New York City at the Wharton Clinic. He was just graduated from Columbia, about to head down to Texas, and we were talking about NJNY, and he wanted to go back in for another year, and you know we were excited about that, but we were just kind of like, hey, you got to come out for NJNY at some point, right? And it was a year later that he was there. A year later, Julie let me know I'd messed up and I should have been there a year sooner. (laughs) Yeah, I did, actually. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how do we do? Okay. Look, if you don't know me, you can't afford me is how I like to put it. (laughs) But, you know, I think that I am a very big track fan who ended up having the opportunity to run professionally for about seven years. And then as soon as I retired, I got right back to being a track fan. Now I'm on the other side of things. I'm watching from the sidelines and sometimes from a media box or from my phone. But now at this point, my goal is just help promote the sport any way that I ever can. And part of the reason why it's very funny to introduce myself is it's not my full-time job, it's a hobby. And I like doing it on the side. So trying to find creative ways to do it. Sometimes that's under the umbrella of Sidious with Chris. Other times that's freelancing for other opportunities. But then also my own newsletter, The Lap Count, has grown to be something much bigger than I thought. But Personality works. And you lap count is a weekly newsletter, so everybody check that out. You also have Victory Lap, which is a premium option for lap count. Yeah, we just launched that. I had been an athlete myself, and I know the difficulties that are involved with that, especially having come out of college and been unsponsored. I know that having any chance to make a few hundred bucks goes a long way. And I saw taking the readership from the lap count and creating a premium newsletter that highlights athletes, whether that be through interviews or blogs. And then in exchange, basically asking the athletes to help promote the lap count and help us build our subscriber base. And it seems to be off to a great start. And the goal is to 
of course, build the lap count, but also put money in athletes' pockets and let them hopefully continue to chase the dream. So there may be some star athletes every now and then who come on, but for the most part, the goal is to support those athletes who really could use that extra money and whose stories aren't being highlighted. One of the things I liked about the subscribership piece is Kyle said, you know, a couple hundred dollars isn't going to make an athlete, but it could pay for a couple of massages that does save a season. Absolutely. And I like that approach to it. I think that was pretty cool. All right. Well, you guys teamed up and are continuing to team up. Great content from the trials. You guys, I first knew that you guys connected when Kyle retired and he had an exit interview. A two-hour exit interview, unprecedented for an athlete to retire and have a two-hour exit interview on the Sidious Mag S- podcast. Some of us just kind of fade out, Kyle. <laughs> you know, know, we yeah. just like let our contracts roll out and we don't make grand announcements. He was so <laughs> hesitant on doing an exit interview. And then it just came to the point he's popular enough where people were just like, well, we want to hear from Kyle. And usually when I do these types of interviews with athletes who had just kind of like retired, I like going through an overview of their career and, you know, some of the highlights and the behind the scenes, you know, of these big moments. And Kyle was just like, no, like we can do some of that. But I kind of wanted to be more forward facing and looking, you know, at his perspective on the sport as to areas that need to be addressed from his vantage point as an athlete. And we didn't anticipate it going for two hours. We didn't want to do it over Zoom. So he just came over to Queens to my apartment. We sat down and it just ended up rolling for two hours. And I feel like each one of the broadcasts that we did this spring with the Trials of Miles series, it practically felt like it was that over and over again, where it's just the two of us who have a friendly relationship from, I guess, like having known Kyle and covering his career since Europe, since your like initial trips over there, basically. Yeah, 19 years old in Europe covering the circuit out there. So these track meets kind of just felt like it was just an extension of Kyle and I are just big track fans. And there just is a track meet going on in the background that we're commentating on. And so that's been what's really cool, I guess, about the track and field bromance that people have kind of like hyped up is the fact that it puts two interesting perspectives together where I've been covering the sport almost for a decade now and Kyle was competing for longer than that and you bring us together and we both share a bunch of cool ideas and we want to see the best for the sport. Also, you know, Julie, I'm sure that many times you've had to bite your tongue at (laughs) things that you want to say about the sport, the way it operates. It's daily, Kyle. It's daily. Yes. (laughs) And so part of the advantage of retiring and not staying in the sport in any official capacity and just being completely unaffiliated is that I'm now in a position where I can speak my mind. And it was sort of like, what can we do next? And that's always the conversation that I think that we need to keep having. And sometimes we will disagree or we'll disagree with some of our friends or other athletes. But as long as you're having those conversations and exchanging those perspectives, like that's phase one. Awesome. Well, you guys have great chemistry. Uh, Obviously, you could tell just in the five minutes we're talking here, Trials Talk was a great week and a half of shows. How did that come to be? Was it just because you were doing Trials of Miles and you said, hey, we got something here and we want to do it at the Trials? I think the idea for a daily podcast during the Trials had come up at some point in the spring and you know kyle and i were thinking it's like should we do this like is it a lot of extra work i've got to be at the trials for sports illustrated writing a daily recap but then i was like i have just so much fun recording these conversations and kyle and i talking about track for an hour seems simple enough and then we shopped it around got a sponsor for it and then from there really 
I thought the Olympic trials this year was just so different compared to other years in terms of the access that the media had to the athletes. They wanted to obviously try and limit the exposure that these athletes had to any other people because COVID is still a concern. But at the same time, like there have been breakthroughs and advances with the vaccine and Kyle and I are fairly connected with some of the athletes. And so if they were comfortable with it, we extended the invitation. Hey, we're going to be at this house. Come chat with us. We were doing daily recaps, talking for an hour at the end of each day about what we saw. And then after that, you know, we would sprinkle in interviews with people who had just made the team or someone who we thought was really interesting that was around. And so it ended up being, I guess, like 13 or 14 total episodes throughout the trials. And so, you know, we'd get messages from people saying like, hey, can't be out in Eugene, but, you know, this podcast is really getting me through in the mornings and that kind of stuff. So that makes it worth it to me at the end of the day. I'm like, all right, we're doing something pretty cool here. I think the big thing is people are starving for content, quality track and field content. And real commentary, too. I mean, I think that's a big piece of it. Especially if there's no athlete interviews happening after the meet because of COVID. People watch the race and it's kind of like you have this mild hangover after and it's like you want something to nurse it a little bit more. And so I saw this as an opportunity for us to provide more quality content. Well, at the same time, I feel like we're also learning sometimes on the show. Like we were fascinated and really got, you know, hooked with the throws. And so we're kind of like on day two or three of the podcast, learning a little bit more about the throws and sharing what we learned with the listeners. And then all of a sudden we're big throws guys, but now we've got a whole, you know, legion of other people who consider themselves big throws guys. And so bringing a light to some of the, you know, the long jumpers and the, the high jumpers and the throwers who don't get as much of the attention sometimes. So for you guys, so many good storylines from this trials. What was your favorite story, favorite interview that either you did? I'm going to ask both of you that. Personally, my favorite was Ben Blankenship, who had made the Olympic final in 2016 and showed up to the trials after basically a couple of weeks of running and got on the starting line, somehow made it through to the semis. And Ben especially is a pretty private person, but for a lot of athletes, you don't really let people know what's going on leading in. You just show up and race. And when Ben shot me a text the day after saying he wanted to come on the podcast, you know, we jumped at the opportunity because so much of it is we celebrate those who are winning and with those who are making the team. But there's a lot of other really interesting stories that get lost behind that. And I think for us to shed some light on what Ben had gone through was really valuable and a side of the trials that a lot of people wouldn't traditionally see. That's a good one. And how about for you, Chris? I think the easy one would be to pick Heather McLean coming on the podcast right after making the team because emotions were running high and she was having a beer on the show and she finished third in the 1500 meters, which I wouldn't say a surprise because she was having a really strong season, but not maybe most people's pick to make the Olympic team. And so went to UMass, kind of only started running in high school because one of her friends who drove her to work after school was also on the track team. And so it's a cool story there and just super nice. Hadn't gotten too much media attention beforehand. And so finished third, which secured her spot to Tokyo with a big PR. And so her family wasn't at the trials. So she just had a bunch of friends. And when she got through team processing and out of drug testing afterwards. She just, you know, found Dana Giordano. She's also a professional runner based in Boston. 
saw her on Find My Friends, saw that she wasn't too far away, and then just kind of ran over. And Dana was getting ready to tape the podcast with us. And so she just jumps on the podcast as well. And so most people watch the meet on TV, and then they see the one or two questions that Lewis Johnson asks them afterwards on the sidelines. And then after that, like, it's just sort of like, next time we'll see him, we'll probably be at the Olympics. And for this, this was kind of like a, hey, she's celebrating already. And let's get her thoughts for the next 15, 20 minutes. So many of these stories get lost because maybe there's a star athlete in that event. And so we're more inclined to pay attention to the winner or sometimes second place and people who have won medals before and that kind of stuff that that third place person sometimes gets lost. So that was really cool for us to kind of also get to know someone in the moment and kick back and celebrate. So I love this concept because even when you're coming off the track in the mix zone, if it was 2016, 2012, 2008, in the way that had been set up before, there's still such a formality to it. And you're just coming off the track. You haven't had time to process, you know, the good or the bad that just happened. And, you know, you're trying to say the right things, too. I love that you guys are capturing people in this, like, very relaxed moment where they can really be themselves and kind of talk through everything that just happened to them or the experience or the journey leading up to it. Does this mean that we're going to see this at U.S. championships in the future, this kind of concept? I mean, because I think this is fabulous. You're really getting a peek behind the curtain with these athletes. I mean, I'm down for it. I'm going to likely be at, you know, U.S. champs, you know, for years to come. And Worlds comes to United States next year. We've already started kicking around the idea if we get a house and that kind of stuff out in Eugene for, you know, the duration of that. And then, yeah, really making it a space where, all right, people know that, after team processing and drug testing and maybe the day after once everything is kind of settled down, I'll kick back with Chris and Kyle for, you know, an hour to chat through my feelings. Kyle, I wanted to ask you, was it hard? I mean, you had just retired. Was it hard to watch these athletes and you were there and had been in that position for the last, you know, seven years you ran professionally or, you know, the last couple of the trials you were there trying to make the team and close to making the team. Was it hard or was it you didn't have an issue with it? I'm almost embarrassed to say how much I liked being there on the other side of things <laughs> and not competing. As I was watching people warm up or do strides before the race, I'm just thinking like, wow, I would trade anything to not be there. <laughs> I felt um, the same way. <laughs> so that's how I definitely knew it was time to retire. And honestly, if it wasn't for like a contract going an extra year or two, I maybe should have done it a little earlier. But for me, I had completely come to peace with where my career finished. In my head, I had a pretty serious surgery a couple of years ago, and I just never bounced back to be the same. And so I didn't need to be there just to participate. I'd been a trials participant on a couple previous occasions. And the only reason that I was ever going to run this year was if I thought I had a shot to make it and I knew I didn't. So I was fine watching. And the other side is not that bad if there are any elite athletes there who are listening to this and maybe considering it. I definitely enjoyed it. And it's good to hear, Julie, that you felt the same way. Well, Chris is like, you know, sitting next to me in the stands and he's like, does this bring back memories? Like the women's 5K is going <laughs> off. He's like, can you just feel it? Like, does it make you emotional? And I I'm wish like, she would lie to me. She does. She just No, just lied to I was me. like wrestling my two children. I was like 30 plus weeks pregnant. I'm like, yeah. no, I don't. It doesn't really bring it back. Life has changed. And that chapter has, you know, the page has been turned and 
yeah, I mean, I think when you're ready, you're ready. And it's just, it is really cool to be on the other side, like, because you know it and you've experienced it. So you really can relate. But you're like, eh, I could do without this pressure in this moment. All right. One more question, though, Kyle. So Chris said in the exit interview, he's not quite done running. He's just done running, getting paid for it. So are you still running at all? I still run 40 to 60 mile weeks. I'll go to the track once every like 10 days and just do like a really crappy workout. And (laughs) the second it starts to get hard, I stop. But as I said, I was a fan before I ever became a professional runner. And I was just a runner before I ever was doing it and getting paid for it. So I'm back at it. I still don't have any urge to compete again. But no, I mean, I still wake up every day and I go for a run. It's just the routine. You know, you just talked about track workouts. Chris, on the other hand, I think you're like all in. I mean, you're racing Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, first of all, how does that happen? And tell me a little bit about that experience trying to race him in a mile. Yeah, it backfired on me. I know. I'm reading something here that says Gladwell demolishes Chavez in a mile matchup. Gladwell demolishes Chavez. That's a tough headline. Yeah, there's a men's health article that says like, 57-year-old Malcolm Gladwell smokes guy half his age. Like, I haven't lived this thing down. It's been brought up every single week since. And Malcolm is a fan of Sidious Mag since 2017 when we launched the site. Paul Snyder, who's the editor of The Lap Count and was doing a little bit of writing for Sidious at the very beginning. And he wrote a couple things that caught Gladwell's eye, including this really funny article about like a hypothetical situation on what if all the U.S. presidents ran a 5K in their peak fitness while in office. And Gladwell thought it was like the funniest thing in the world. Started following Sidious. So over the years has been kind of like we always called it like the Gladwell bump when he'd retweet an article or something like that. And we would just see the traffic just spike. So one day I think I reached out to him, you know, over a DM and said, hey, I know you're in New York City. Like, would you want to meet up for a run sometime? And we connected and ran in Central Park one day. Were you nervous? Not really. It was kind of like asking him on a date. (laughs) Uh, Sounds like it. (laughs) It it was like in the middle of like January and I thought it would be way too cold to like run outside. And so I would have settled like, oh, yeah, let's just get coffee somewhere. But he's Canadian. And so he's used to the cold and was like, I'll drag you on a run in Central Park. And I ended up running like nine miles that day. I thought it would just be like a loop around the park and so and it wasn't even like a just a casual run it was like a workout where i think we were doing laps around the reservoir and picking it up each lap and so in the end like we kind of became friends through that and then really over the last like year and a half realized that we're very similar in our skill set and level right now and this sub five minute mile which you know eighth graders do constantly i just haven't been able to do and I think we floated the idea. I think I put out on, you know, as a New Year's resolution that my goal was to break, you know, five minutes for the mile and three in the marathon. And he was like, let's break five together. And then eventually, this is, I guess, in the spring, there's still limited race opportunities. And the trials of miles meet in New York City was happening. I was going to be part of the broadcast with Kyle. And I floated it around to the meet directors. I was like, how about for an appetizer to this main event? We just have this duel between me and Gladwell in the mile. And they were all for it. And I kind of filled out the field with a couple more friends just so that I wouldn't finish last if in the worst case scenario that it was just a one-on-one duel which I almost did finish last in the in the grand scheme of things. So <laughs> Not enough friends. <laughs> not enough friends in the field. And we made it happen. And 
the goal was to hook in some new people to watch this track meet who maybe don't usually watch professional track and field and stick around for the races afterwards. So if we got a little bit of a trickle down from that viewership, then it'd be a success. And and I think it worked. And so am I going to be challenging a bunch of celebrities now, you know, going forward to the start of track meets? Maybe. Am I going to try and find the athletes that I do have a good shot of beating, that's probably, I think, where I should, I guess, focus on because I underestimated Gladwell. And Kyle took a look at some of his workouts in the lead up to it. Kyle went on some runs with me as well. So he knew that it was going to be a little bit even, but not sub five. Like we both were definitely not in sub five shape. (laughs) Malcolm had emailed me at one point and was like, what do you think of these workouts? Do you think I could break five? And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, you can't. So Kyle was the middleman and and the best part was he was calling the race. And so he had insight into kind of how uh, both of us have been training and so treated it like it was a race as silly as it was. And then I led for the first three laps. And in the final one, he really kicked me down and I had one of my worst showings ever. But In the grand scheme of things, it was fun. It hooked some people to watch, and I will sacrifice and be the butt of jokes if it attracted some people to track. I love it. So you ended up in 523 and Gladwell 515. My PR is 509, so that was way off. And I kind of went into it knowing I might be a little bit out of shape here, but let's just give them a show. I, I um, loved like the YouTube comments of people being like, that's so cool that Gladwell can do that. Who's Chris Chavez? <laughs> it's, great. it's great. You got your name out there. You got Sidious Mag out there. And you can follow Sidious Mag on Twitter. It's at Sidious Mag. Another great follow on Twitter, Julie. I mean, this may be what we should have promoted Kyle with is the real Merb on Twitter is one of my favorites. Recently, We saw you at a professional baseball game where I think the comment was, here's my major league debut. Yeah, made it on TV. (laughs) You were on TV in the background, waving your arms. Some great hand gestures back there. Did you know you were on camera, Kyle, there? Well, I was in like the perfect spot that if anything ever rolled down the third baseline that I knew I would get on. So I took an educated guess. But based off the way I'm acting, you'd think I'd never been on like NBC during prime time on multiple (laughs) occasions before. Right. So definitely, if you're not following him, give him a follow. Love all your tweets. All right. Well, Trials Talk was awesome. Can't wait for your next project together, which is what? Our next project is Torch Talk. Catch us chatting track and field uh, each one of the days of the Olympics. Since athletes are just quarantined in their hotel room, if we shoot them a Zoom link, like the hope is that they'll join the chat and we'll be able to kick back and also bring a couple interviews here and there. It'll be living on the Sidious Mag podcast feed. Kyle, I would like to know what your day job is, if this is your hobby and your passion, and like where is this leading? So now you guys are doing commentating live. Now you're doing some stuff with the podcast. Like, what is the next space for you? Yeah, this is not my full time job. I enjoy this stuff a lot, and I really enjoy having two separate lives in a way, showing up to the office and just trying to do my best job there. And then outside the hours of nine to five, just be a a track geek and, you know, just promote the sport any way possible. And obviously like the lap count is my baby. And I I hope one day Chris is willing to acquire it. All right, fellas. Well, really appreciate your time. Great work. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Pace the Nation. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. That's Kyle Merber. You can find him on thelapcount.com. 
Chris Chavez, SidiousMag.com, and together they do Torch Talk. They joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program. And thanks again to Kyle Merber and Chris Chavez for joining us today on Pace the Nation. And Julie, we're going to have to check them out on Torch Talk, their new latest and greatest collaboration together. Well, another awesome podcast, ours. Oh, yeah. Pace the Nation is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with seven area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. And now that you're listening to this podcast, you can go check out the new runpacers.com website. We're really excited that we've changed our platform. There's a lot of great content on there, including our guest from a couple weeks ago, Sarah Attar. She is modeling a lot of the great new shoes and apparel that Pacers Running is selling on runpacers.com. So head on over to runpacers.com, full service, full line of apparel, shoes, and accessories. You can get fit virtually. So if you don't want to go to the stores and you are new to our podcast, you can check us out, runpacers.com. All right, great show, Julie. Thanks to our guy, Rob Ford, behind the glass. Another great show and production by the folks here at Podville Media Studios. Thanks again for all they do for us behind the scenes. All right, Julie, we will be back here soon because you're like 100 weeks pregnant. <laughs> so we better get in some shows. 100 weeks. Rob, really we're going to get some shows in before she has this baby. So we'll be back here recording again soon. But until then, for Julie Cully, I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace Nation. We will see you next time.